domestic supply chain summit thank you so much truck stop thank you so much ty for helping us put this on usually this is your nooner with dooner but today it is your 11 25er with dooner reposting us out to social media thank you all for joining us by the way if you are on social that means you probably haven't registered if you haven't registered you can't win the yukon stove so if you go to live.freightwaves.com you can register put your name in there it's free and at the end of the show kaylee nix is gonna Pull a Yukon stove, and she says she's feeling extra lucky today. So she's, she says anybody watching this show is probably going to be a winner. So I highly recommend you go and do that. We got some awesome guests on the show, but I got a piece of domestic supply chain news to get to before we even get there. Headline on FreightWaves.com, tremendous outcome. And this is from, like, the story of the year. Like, I was going through my analytics, like, what did best for what the truck shows, what did best for FreightWaves articles. Yellow dominated. Yellow is strong. Convoy was up there, too, but yellow is big. Well, we're finally finding out what happened to the terminals. A judge has approved the terminal sales headline by Todd Maiden on FreightWaves. It says the $1.8 billion, $88 billion sale of 130 of yellows less than drugload terminals was approved by a Delaware bankruptcy court. Just yesterday, a revised sale order is expected to be received by the court and entered into record Tuesday afternoon. Judge Craig Goldblatt, he says, preliminary, preliminarily, based on what's represented, this is obviously a tremendous outcome. The process included more than 400 interested parties completing non-disclosure agreements with 70 qualified bidders taking part in the auction that began on November 28th. The first wave of terminal sales ends with 21 entities, mostly LTL carriers and their real estate arms, committing to purchasing the properties at values that far exceed a prior appraised value of $1.1 billion. So, Kind of made out on here. And some of the names, the big one is XBO. Throw that list up one more time because I'm going to go through this. XBO, they had 28 terminals that sold for $870 million. Estes, remember they had that stocking horse bid? They got 24 out. It was $248 million. Saya got 17. Ramar Terminal. You can see the whole list. If you go to FreightWaves.com, check out that article. Whole host of great articles on that. But let's move over to the summit. We got some great guests today. Today on episode 664 of What the Truck, we got a freight tech CEO, a broker, a shipper, an insurance agent, and a trucker all sharing their perspectives on domestic supply chain. We're joined by Trucker Tools CEO Kerry Jablonski to talk about this year in trucking and the importance of great user interfaces and relationships for carriers and truckers. We got Jesse Merritt and uh, Sarah Heffington. They were doing Holland for the holidays. They gave back to the community. We're going to talk to the importance of giving back, even in a tough year, and we'll find out what the Tennessee Trucking Association's Young Professional Council is all about. We're going to hear from a shipper. We're going to learn from Bad Birdie's Jordan Dickerson how the world of golf apparel works, especially around the holidays. And we might even hear a track from his band, Bitter Pills. Pretty excited for that. When he came on, I think it was like two years ago, he played one for us too. So we'll check it out. And then we got Freightways' Justin Martin. We're going to talk about a truck getting stuck on a switchback. We got Convoy owing carriers cash. Matheson shut down. Huge one. I think that was like 3,500 employees. Not good. And we got Tesla Cybertruck and semi-performance. A Cybertruck got stuck hauling a Christmas tree. And we got to talk about it. But right now, let's welcome Kerry Jablonski, CEO at Trucker Tools on. Jeez, Kerry, it seems like I just saw you. It was only like a little over a month ago right here in Chattanooga. And I feel like I interact with you all the time now, Diener, that I've uh, doubled down on Twitter. Yeah, you are like, you're, if people don't know, like you, there's a lot of like the community that's on LinkedIn and they see like, you know, maybe Dooner posts once a day on LinkedIn. We post like crazy on you do, I do, everyone does on Freightex. It's an amazing community. A lot of CEOs and founders have, have come on there recently. And it's just, it's a cool community, a little bit more fun than LinkedIn, but I think both Definitely. have value. 
Well, really, for sure. well, agreed. Before we get into some of the changes and the awesome things you did this year, let's look back for a second. What did you make of 2023? This was a tough year. Yeah, it was definitely a tough year. Um, I mean, you, you let off with yellow, so don't need to rehash how many bankruptcies there were this year, how tough it was on brokers and carriers alike. Uh, actually, you're not sick of me yet. I'm doing a TIA webinar in about 30 minutes with uh, Gene from Mode on 2023 and what's ahead for 24. But and from my perspective, um, we're, we're really proud to have come through 23 actually stronger. And I think that's in part because the market conditions that our customers, brokers, and carriers experienced forced us to really focus. Um, in good times, it's easy to throw investment around, make decisions, say, oh, we'll try this out, we'll try that out, let's see what happens, whatever. But this year, we had to, you know, we had limited resources at our disposal. We had to make commitments to what our customers really needed, get really rigorous in the way we thought about approaching, solving problems, and commit. And I think that's actually led us to be, uh, you know, a better, a better platform. Uh, for us this year, it was just laser focused on being the best full truckload visibility platform out there. Um, so, you know, we've actually accomplished quite a bit, three extra ELD scale. We're planning to do that again in 24. We introduced our cross-border tracking toolkit, and we have a lot more in store in the way of uh, tracking visibility in 24. Carrie, there's been sort of a narrative this year that freight tech is under a sale. And in some cases, it has been. We've seen companies like Convoy go down. It hasn't been an easy market in our space either. However, I would argue that when revenue is down so much, you need tools to enable you to capture that revenue. And some of it is more important than ever. So maybe the companies without a market fit are in trouble. But the ones that do should be, if if they're fitting the market right, should be excelling right now, should be helping companies right now. What do you think is like the standout thing that carriers need right now to succeed and that trucker tools can do? Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think the difference between Convoy too is they really were more of a digital broker rather than a freight tech. And I think you're totally right. This has been a year for freight techs like us to shine um, and to be able to help those more traditional kind of or tech forward brokers figure out how do you do more with, with less or the same amount of resources. So for us into... Um, you know, right now in 23, heading into 24, carriers need free resources at their disposal. Um, and they need to be really scrappy with where they're finding and booking loads and using the most intelligent data they have in real time to figure out how can I maximize my profit per trip. They need to understand, use all the tools at their disposal, at their disposal to understand what is the real um, cost of hauling this load? What is the cost of this backhaul? How do you know, understand their real cash flow? And that's Something that you know we're able to help provide through our uh, mobile app that we have for carriers. We've got a free load board, free marketplace on there where they're able to come in and find book loads. We've got a great integration with Great Wave Sonar, and we're really excited about revamping this bad boy in early 24. These are some uh, proprietary screenshots we have of our new mobile app coming for carriers. It's been a while since we've given it a facelift, and we want to make it as easy as possible for those carriers to find and book loads. So you can see right here, we've got our booking screen. Here we've got our tracking screen. It's going to make it easier than ever to understand when you're tracked, when you're not tracked, what information you need, if there's any issues going on, so that you can provide the best service uh, possible to your brokers. Cool. So is this all, is this cosmetic? Or are these just UI changes? Or are there new features that we'll find within as well? No. Uh, so UI and Deeper, um, we're always revamping uh, the tech that underlays our app to make sure it's as lightweight as possible. We know that space on phones is precious, and we want to make sure that it's really easy for everyone to have us and keep us. So that's a big effort here. Um, on that first screen, you saw the, uh, you know, where it said truck washes, routing, truck routing, fuel optimizer. That's a screen that we're going to continue to double down on and continue to add services and figure out how can we be providing uh, the biggest toolkit to bro to carriers possible to help them make the um, smartest decisions while they're out there on the road. 
Have you had to iterate on this at all? Like, have you found a tool that doesn't belong in the toolkit because no one uses it? Have you, like, I know it's Sonar, we've had to take charts out because it's like, you start out, you're building a company and this data source, that comes, this comes, and it's like, oh, the great, let's put it in, add value, add value. But at a certain point, you look at it and you go, okay, we're bloating though, and the customer's not yeah. using this. Let's get back to the basics that people people want. Have you Have you had to do that? Definitely. And that's actually part of uh, what was driving this entire app redesign. Right now, when you open up the Trucker Tools app, you come to a screen that has a ton of features on there, probably 17 or 18 different buttons you can click to go into different services. The way we're actually going to rebuild this or relaunch it is when you open the app, you're going to be brought to the book screen or to the track screen because we find, without a doubt, those are the two most high engagement, frequently visited screens on the app. And we want to make sure that we're getting the most relevant uh, information in front of the carrier as possible. So we're always also looking at additional services we have in there, what's high engagement, what's not. Uh, we're talking to new partners all the time. So it, it is kind of a constant polling process. Uh, we've got a couple of a couple of buttons in there that I, I don't think anyone will be too sad to see go away in 24. I think what's really cool about Freightx is that it's a much different community than than LinkedIn in, in the sense that there's a lot more drivers on there. And there's a lot more drivers yes. that are, they're, they're not putting like, long-winded business posts or anything. They're sort of talking about their day, right? And a lot of them complain about like their truck stop or their parking situation or not being able to find something or their weight at the receiver. And you get to hear a lot of instant feedback and you get to really sort of absorb some of the frustrations that drivers face. I see one of the tools here is a truck stop guide in your points of interest. How, how does that work, your points of interest? Yeah, points of interest are just spots on the map that we found that truckers are often, you know, talking about, hey, where is the best truck stop nearby? Where is the, you know, where are their fuel stops nearby? Uh, does this truck stop have showers at it or not? So it's actually crowdsourced information that carriers can come on, add data in real time about the quality of certain stops, locations, what services they have, what they don't have, so that when you're out there driving yourself, you're able to figure out, hey, is this a good spot for me to uh, plan my route around or not? Here, we're talking about users and downloads. How, how is this year for you? How many people have downloaded the app now? How many people are using it? Yeah, we've got over 345,000 carriers using our app on our, using our platform on a monthly basis. So uh, since I start, or started the business about two years ago, our monthly active users are probably up somewhere in the double range. So I'm really, really proud of that. And I think it speaks again to the criticality of some of the services we provide for brokers, especially tracking and visibility on the carrier side, giving good service, giving consistent tracking throughout the duration of uh, a load is one of the top things you can do to stand out for a broker. For a broker in this kind of market, providing visibility to their shippers is also one of the number one things they have to do right now to stand out on shipper scorecards. So you know, visibility is just becoming more and more of a table's take. And like you said, Duner, I think that actually really played to our favor in 23 as we continue to figure out how do we become the best full truckload broker brokerage tracking platform. We're able to just become that more mission critical. You know, another narrative that comes up with, with freight tech, the naysayers, when some of these companies go out of business, you have like trolls online who go, yeah, obviously they did because this is a business about relationships. And for some reason, they don't think you can form relationships digitally. I counter that. I meet most of my guests digitally. I meet most, especially during COVID. Yeah. I've met the thousands of people in this industry digitally. One of your tools is relationship management. Talk a little bit to that. Yeah, so... Like I said, we have hundreds of thousands of carriers on our platform. We've aggregated this long tail of carriers who are often, like you said, unless you're on Twitter, hard to find and interact with. And um, that is incredibly valuable for our broker customers who are always thinking about how do we build our carrier network? There's all this talk right now about fraud in the market. You know, 
We talk about that all day long. I've talked about it all year long. The counter to fraud is actually finding great carriers who you can really trust and engage with and do repeat businesses. That is the unlock for becoming a great broker, a great carrier, carrier sales rep. So one of the things we're really excited to be launching in 24 is this digitized carrier Rolodex, if you will, where you're going to be able to take that entire network that we have on Trucker Tools, tons and tons of um, inputs from carriers about their preferences, about where they like to run, about where they're domiciled, um, about what availability they have. And you're going to be able to search that as a broker to find the best fit carriers for your lane um, that you're trying to build strength in. And, you know, there's a like you said, we're all meeting each other online at this point. I think carriers are really starting to invest in their digital presence right now and figuring out that that is a great way to build their book of business. So anything that can help make those introductions between brokers and carriers and, and start to build those relationships is a big win in our book. Well, you're obviously arming up for 2024. That's what a lot of this conversation has been about. Now look in your crystal ball. I know you're talking about this in your webinar in a little bit. How do you see 2024 playing out? What we're hearing from customers right now is that the beginning of the year is going to be a challenge still. You know, rates aren't going to just flip overnight, but we are hearing kind of across the board and the economic indicators that we're tracking all the time. I follow Craig religiously on Twitter. Um, you know, when we're looking at economic data as well, starting to see inventory burn off, net carrier rev revocation taking to slow down a little bit, suggesting that the capacity burn might be kind of coming to a standstill. Um, expecting things to pick back up at some point in mid to late 24 is, is what we're hearing from customers, which is great. Um, you know, that's, that's what we hope. And, uh, we're, we're really optimistic that, uh, in a year from now, we're going to be talking about how 24 was the year of, uh, some great recovery. Very, very cool. Now I got to ask you a question before I let you go. I know you got something to prep for and we've got other amazing guests waiting, but here's the poll of the day and it's, could you land a plane? And the reason I ask this is the conversation reports, survey results published indicate about one third of adult Americans think they could safely land a passenger aircraft with air traffic controls guidance among male respondents, the confidence level rose to nearly 50%. Carrie, you know tech a little bit. You think you could listen to air traffic control and bring the plane down? Absolutely not. That was going to be my first question was what percentage of these respondents were men? There's no way I could land a plane. I actually did. I know we were tweeting about how I was watching Captain Phillips the other night, then watched Sully the next day. And after watching that, there is no way I could pull off what he did. <laughs> Amazing movie. And I'm glad you you finally caught that one. So you know what the uh, the meme means. Carrie, people who want to catch up yeah. with you, how do they get you? Yeah, find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, Carrie Jablonski, just my name, LinkedIn. You got my name right there. Please reach out. Would love to talk to you if you're a broker, carrier, shipper, someone interested in freight. Please reach out. Very cool. Carrie, enjoy. Have a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Take care, and I'll catch you in the new year. Thank you, Dana. You too. Take it easy. All right, everybody. Meanwhile, let's take a trip to uh, Shimane, Japan. This little penguin walk. Give me on the holiday season over here before we talk about Holland for the holidays which was super cool. I love those guys. Imagine if I could have those on set for a very What the Truck Christmas. Hey, Christian! Can we get uh, some penguins here on set for the next one? No? Okay, I gotta know. All right, let's move over. Let's move over to our next guest. We got Jesse Merritt. She's EVP of Sales at Reliance Partners. And Sarah Heffington, she is from M&W Logistics. They've done some awesome stuff for the holidays, and I am. it's my honor to welcome them to the show. Ladies, thank you for coming on What the Truck today. Thanks, Dooner. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. us. 
so for for those who've never met you, let's start with you. Who we got in the bottom here? Is that Jesse? Jesse Merritt, right? Yep. This is Jesse Merritt, as you said, EVP of sales with Reliance Partners. And um, you know, super happy to be on today. I've been with Reliance Partners since 2020. Are you which excited? Is when I joined. Go ahead. Are you are you excited for the holidays? You, you you already got stuff moving in Chattanooga, and we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I imagine that had to get yes. you in the spirit. The penguins did it. I wasn't <laughs> in the spirit before the penguins, and now now I'm ready. <laughs> Sarah, did we did the penguins bring you up a level? I love it. I love it. What what goes down at M and W Logistics? I'm not sure if I've had you guys on before. I know Reliance very well. I don't think so. We um, we've got two M and W companies, M and W Transportation and M and W Freight Services, um, and then we do have a warehousing company as well, M and W Warehousing. So we do a little bit of everything, and um, we're just really excited to partner with the TTA and the Store Drive. So I think that you know it's just as important to to talk about what we do in business, but the other side of business is giving back, especially around the holidays. And I think that is just as important. And a bad market's not an excuse to do nothing. And that isn't what you did. You did Holland for the holidays. Who wants to tell me all about what that initiative? How did that start? What was that about? Jesse, I'll let you go. Sure, sure, I'll start. So we started Holland for the holidays, which is a transportation specific toy drive. Um, We started it as the Young Professionals Council with the um, Tennessee Trucking Association. We started it in 2019. Um, That year we raised $12,500 and we were ecstatic. And um, I'll let Sarah tell you how much we raised this year. Oh, wow. So how how much did you raise, Sarah? $102,000. Wow, one hundred and two thousand dollars! How did first of all, how do you how do you set up a successful like fundraiser, and how did this go down? We even have some pictures here if you guys could show those. Thank you. Awesome, yeah, that is from our Chattanooga delivery, I believe. Um, when we started, we we started with like Jesse said, just an idea and, and just a few locations. And this year, we branched out to five different areas of the state. Um, so we have toy deliveries that happen in Memphis. Jackson, Tennessee, Nashville, Knoxville, and Chattanooga. Um, and it's all trucking companies. So, right, it's, it's with the Tennessee Trucking Association. Um, so it's all Tennessee trucking companies that have donated uh, through these angel sponsorships where we go out and purchase toys according to each of the charities. Looks excellent. And I said, and I got to say, I got to make a shout out to uh, Repower and Jake Battles. He's the yeah. one who initially put this online <laughs> and, and I saw it and I love to highlight this stuff on the show because I think more people should do it. And it's awesome. But you said something interesting. What is the Tennessee Trucking Association's Young Professional Council? So that was started about five years ago. Um, it is made up of young professionals that are in the trucking business in Tennessee. Um, it's separate from um, the Nashville uh, transportation club. It's just, it's mainly trucking companies and, uh, their allied partners. Interesting. And like who, who's, how, who's involved? How would you get involved? What do you do in the, in the group? You can go to our website, the Tennessee trucking association website. Um, we have fundraisers throughout the year that support the association, support our road team captains that go around the state that teach safety to teens at different schools. Um, they give back to the communities. They help with disaster relief, uh, one of the things we're going to do is we have a little bit of extra money this year. We're going to give to uh, Clarksville. We're going to give to the Community Resource Center. We just had a big uh, tornado here in, in Nashville um, this weekend. So we're going to make sure we give back and uh, support the community center. 
Yeah, Tennessee's been been hit hard, especially with those recent tornadoes. Not good at all. So companies out here, people who are listening and they go, you know, we didn't really do anything this year. We'd love to do something like Holland with the holidays. We'd love to bring some partners together. What is your advice to people for doing programs like this? How do you get it started and how do you find partners? Jesse, you want to take one? Yeah, yeah. Um, Having the, first of all, having the infrastructure of the Tennessee Trucking Association has been critical. And so um, we're on their platform. We use their network. Um, The other thing that the Young Professionals Council does that's really important to me is um, we foster the, um, the future of trucking in Tennessee. So not a lot of young people are going into truck driving jobs, but also we want to shine a light on the other professional jobs that are available. So we go to local high schools and educate kids on, you know, you don't have to, to work in trucking, you don't have to just drive a truck. You can um, sell trucks, you can sell insurance like we do. Um, there are a lot of different career paths and trucking and logistics are very lucrative businesses. So um, that, that's a big portion of it. And then to get involved, it is it can be as simple as um, supporting the Salvation Army and doing an angel tree. You know, you don't have to have a really complicated way um, to organize a new fund and give back, or you can always donate to Holland for the Holidays and we will distribute those resources, as Sarah said. So um, all of the nonprofits that we support are children facing. And so at Eastside Elementary, for instance, we made sure that every single child there will have a toy to open um, for the holidays. So that's really important to us. Some of the other nonprofits, we're supplying their classrooms and making sure that they have um, new equipment, things that will last generations to come. We've installed playgrounds, things like that. So these are some of these are multi-generational gifts. You make a great point there, too, because uh, some people have very linear thinking and you go like trucking and they go, oh, I don't want to drive a truck. But there's so many other jobs in this business and there's executive jobs. There's freight tech jobs on the, on the tech side. There's media jobs. There's insurance jobs. Like you said, there's all different corners that you can touch. But in terms of getting younger drivers in the cab, what do you think we need to do better? Is it to explain the role better? How do we get young people in the truck? That's a Sarah question. (laughs) That's a hard one. Um, You know, I think truck driving schools is obviously one of the most important things. Um, You know, there's the battle of changing the age from 18 to 21, um, but but really the, the main thing is going into these high schools and making sure that that high school kids see um, the transportation industry as an option. You know, a lot of them don't know all the different jobs in the trucking uh, industry. So so getting in front of the kids, the schools in um, the community, I think, is probably the most important thing that we can do. I love it. I love it. So all told over a hundred thousand. How much was it? A hundred thousand raised. Hundred and two. 102,000. Amazing, amazing. You have made some excellent, excellent holidays. Now, people who want to learn more about the Tennessee Trucking Association's Young Professional Council, they want to join you. How do they go about doing that? You can send us an email. No, you go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead, Jesse. I was going to say, if you go to TennesseeTNTrucking.org slash Young Professionals Council, that gives you more information about, we call it the YPC, about the YPC. um, And there will be a link to head us up and join the crew. And we just opened, Sarah helped open a um, uh, a Knoxville chapter, and um, we have a Chattanooga chapter launching as well. So um, YPC is coming for Tennessee. 
send some of those young <laughs> professionals my way. I'd love to have a group of them on the show in the new year. I'll talk to you offline about that. I'd love to shine okay. some more light on this Great. and especially get young people involved in the business. We always need new blood in here. Now, my poll question of the day, though, is the conversation put out a poll and it said about half of men surveyed think they could land a passenger plane. Experts disagree. Ladies were only one third. So I'm going to ask you to Carrie already said she does not think she could, even with the help of air traffic control. We'll start with you, Jesse. Do you think you could land a plane with the help of air traffic control? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Yes. Now we're already at one third, regardless of what she says, but let's see if we could raise it up. What do you think, Sarah? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Okay. Two thirds, 66% of women on what the truck say that they can land a plane with no help. They're even beat. I love the confidence. Hey, you too. We're, Merry we're Christmas. Getters. We can do it. Well, Hey, I don't right. doubt it. I don't doubt it at all, especially to succeed in this field and you're doing a great job. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, and hopefully we'll see the YPC next year. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Very cool. Very cool. I love that. I love it. Did any of you out there, did you you raise $100,000, $102,000? Because if you did, I want to know. I'd have you on this show to shine a light on it. You're doing any good out there. Just let me know. Send it my way. Tduner, FreightWaves.com. Find me on social media, Timothy Dooner. This is my jam. I highlight this stuff. All right, elsewhere. That's a, by the way, talk about metal. This is Krampus right here. He's who comes, he's who comes if you're bad. He's like the anti-Santa Claus. He's like the exact opposite of Santa Claus, Santa Claus. (laughs) This took place in uh, the European Alps. They were celebrating Advent. And Krampus, he he punishes the ill-behaved children with birch rods. You tell your kids you're going to give them coal. What about a little corporal punishment from a mythical devil Santa? Have any of you considered this? Put in the fear of God in your children. I've got seven and nine-year-old boys. We got the elf on the shelf. That messes with them enough. I don't know. Speaking of metal, Jordan Dickerson, supply chain leader. Bad birdie. What is up, my man? Dude, how you doing, sir? Thanks for having me. Did you like that? That looked like a Bitter Pills music video. I, you know that was, that was that was pretty impressive. I think if I ever if I ever get back into uh, get back to the, into, into the music game, I might have to uh, to steal a couple things there. Well, you are you last time I talked to you, you were, you were in a different role. And now you're what are you working with golf apparel these days? Tell us a little bit about yeah. what Bad Birdie is. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, made, made a little detour from from the, the tech world into into golf apparel. Um, Bad Birdie is a brand that's been around for about six years now. Um, actually, initially, our, our founder, Jason, um, founded it just based off a desire to have some some golf apparel that more mirrored his his personality and wasn't you know quite as maybe as stuffy as sort of the, the typical golf stuff is and so you know made made some polo shirts initially for himself um real sort of bright vibrant all over prints um threw a couple hundred online uh sold through all of them made a few hundred more uh, and just sort of kept growing it initially you know out of out of his apartment um uh, tim who I work with, um, uh, he was the, the first fulfillment manager out of then his apartment, I think his parents' uh, house eventually, then to a to a warehouse, um, and you know for six years have really grown um, grown steadily, and and now we're you know a, an omni channel brand, um, heavy D 2 C presence, but also um, a lot of great a lot of great retail partners across you know Nordstrom, Dick Sporting Goods, PGA Tour, Superstore, um, and you know sort of growing into now more sort of lifestyle apparel in addition to sort of the the core golf stuff that that we you know really really do so um it's been a been a blast to to be with the brand since january now and um yeah learn a bit more about the apparel space it looks a little preppy but also stylish uh these designs that you had that we were just showing 
Yeah, absolutely. No, the, the, the design team has done some really, really cool stuff, um, you know, sort of breaking new ground. And I think that's one of the great things about the brand is just super adventurous, always trying new things. And, um, you know, we're sort of a heavily drop based brand. So the, the design team will really try sort of, you know, different things throughout really each year. And so we really see a lot of a lot of new brown get uh, ground get broken um, pretty quickly and uh, excited to see what they have with their sleeves uh, going into 2024. So what's running a supply chain like this? Like I used to do footwear for, for Reebok and then I worked for Talbot's a little bit. So I have some experience with apparel. It's not the easiest good on like the compliance side to always deal with. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, very very fast paced, complex. You know, we, we deal with a lot of great, a great uh, vendors across um, a number of origins. So uh, Peru, South Korea, China. So a lot of you know a lot of stuff in the air constantly that we're juggling um, on the compliance side, uh, and then being sort of a heavily drop based brand. There's a, a very sort of um, fast pace of goods moving inbound to us that we're trying to quickly receive, get through the warehouse and, and get out to both our, our, our retail customers. Um, but also, you know, get out to the D to C customers, um, with all those sort of drop based events. So, um, just sort of very fast sequencing from a, from an ocean freight flow standpoint, um, coming from a number of places and, uh, yeah, constantly juggling timelines and, and partners, but, um, a lot of fun, definitely a lot of fun. Do you run your own DC or warehouse or are you, are you partnered on that? How does like fulfillment work out of your end? Yeah. So that's actually one of the things that we we've done this year since I joined is we, um, we, we partnered with a new 3PL called NRI shout out to them out in Fontana, California, just a fantastic, um, omni-channel, uh, fulfillment partner that really specializes in the apparel space. Your right, apparel is super hard. You're dealing with uh, a really high number of SKUs, um, because of the, you know, the, the various styles and then the, the size curves across styles. So it's a really difficult muscle to build um, as a fulfillment team. And so having a, having an experienced 3PL that ha- has been in that space for, for 20 years now um, has been really crucial to our growth as, as we get bigger and um, sort of get closer to a 50, 50 split across D to C and, and, and wholesale. The annoying thing about clothes is that it's all different sizes, right? So like when you're managing yeah. inventory, it's not like I just need what the truck shirts. It's like how many XL, how many double XL, how many L, how many medium, how many small. Now, my audience tends to be like bigger and men. So like I know I need a lot of XLs and, and, and XXL yeah. sizes. <laughs> what do you guys do to track to make sure you're, you're getting even the right sizes of goods in to make sure your inventory is where it needs to be? Yeah, no, we, we have a great team internally. Um, shout out to Vadim on our product team, uh, who works with the design team, and then and then Julia on our operations team, who's our our inventory management analyst. Um, they they have a very tight feedback loop with our growth marketing team to really see what people are buying into um, and gravitating towards on the D2C side. Uh, and then also we have that that input from our wholesale customers, getting us those those POs, you know, 30, 60, 90 days ahead of when um, items land to make sure that a, we're diversifying the sizes correctly across our channels as we bring them in. Um, and then as we go back to to produce for upcoming seasons, you know, since we're doing a number of production runs every year with all of our manufacturing partners, each time we start a new production run, we can kind of tighten up um, the mix across sizes to make sure we're, we're getting closer to being as efficient as possible with what we produce and then then pass through to our customers. But But definitely a constantly changing equation. Are you like beating down your brokers constantly for for lower rates to move things? I mean, you're aware of the market and you're on the other side of the equation. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely something that we are going into 2024, keeping a very close eye on, you know, being a, a brand that does a number of moves per year, but has some sort of smaller runs that we need um, just agility and, and transparency on where we're constantly juggling the the need for speed um, with getting those, you know, leveraging those those better costs. So, um, you know, since I joined in January, we've, we've onboarded a couple of new freight forwarders um, and trying to find a, the ones that are best for our specific origins, like uh, coming out of a, uh, a spot like Peru, it's a very different um, dynamics from a compliance and custom standpoint, getting that stuff in smoothly every single time than, you know, our, our China and Korea lane. So it's been a mix of finding the right partners to to give us consistency and, and reduce our risk. But also, you know, over time as we grow and, um, you know, our container equivalent count really raises month over month, make sure that we're, we're keeping an eye on cost and sort of trying to notch that down as much as we can. Do you sell through Amazon at all? We actually don't sell through through Amazon um, right now. Where we, we um, all of our online stuff for the most part is is through our site, and then um, you know some of our some of our, uh, our our retail partners that we we sell brick and mortar with um, on their websites. Is there any particular reason? Like I follow a lot of Amazon sellers on X, and they always are like the rules are constantly changing, the fee structure is constantly changing. It can be a real ch- like just yeah. managing an Amazon account itself sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, no, it it. it just the economics of it and the you know as, as amazon as a conglomerate has grown and find wa- found ways to um just eat into every little uh profit center of the seller um uh as the actual facilitator of the sales it just seems like a, a difficult space that personally i'm super glad that we don't play in and that that i haven't had to to operate in you know um i know a friend of the show molson hart i've seen him do some amazing sort of statistical breakdowns on twitter recently about just the the unit economics of, of trying to sell on amazon now even compared to a year ago it seems like it's getting harder and harder so um yeah seems like it's definitely a difficult world to be in and i'm hoping that you know for for the brands that do rely on that channel heavily that it that it, it gets better you know, I love Molson. He reminds me of like a modern day Willy Wonka. Like if Willy Wonka had a <laughs> X account back in like 1976 when the movie came out, totally. I feel like he would tweet a lot of the unhinged things that Molson does. <laughs> such a such a big fan of that guy. How is golf doing like the ho- like the holiday season? Is is retail going good? And on in terms of shipping parcels, are you guys getting hit there? I've heard a lot about surcharges going up. Yeah, so it, it's um, from a, from a sales standpoint, we we had a great Black Friday and Cyber Monday, um, seeing some some really strong sales going into Christmas. Um, so that's that's been fantastic. You know, on the parcel side, you're right. Uh, the surcharge uh, surcharge aspect has been tough. You know, when we transitioned to our new 3PL, a big plus with going going with them was we're able to diversify our, our parcel carrier mix, go from really one or two sort of parcel carriers with our previous 3PL to to implementing you know even some regional carriers like like on track and um, sort of see a bit more optionality. And we were expecting that to really sort of um, lever our cost per parcel down. Um, what we've seen is that even though like the base rate cards uh, are theoretically better uh, from a surcharge perspective, um, you know, the, the all in cost once everything gets shipped is um, it is a bit higher um, year over year. So it's something that we're really, we're really battling with um you know, we're, we're finally back this past week to being about flat to where we were um, last year. But, uh, you know, I think we're, we're fortunate that we've been able to diversify that that carrier base to at least, you know, year over year improve um, 
transit time and and you know end to end process time from from order to delivery um, you know those metrics and then I, I think it's sort of um, it, it's always a, a a careful calculation of you know how do we do we pass on incremental shipping costs to the customer just because the landscape has changed and it's going to be more expensive moving forward or or do we do we find ways to eventually bring that cost back down and um, and just sort of deal with it over time. You know, Jordan, now that you have been on What the Truck, the bad news is that if you go to a conference, everyone's going to mob you because they know you're a shipper. You said you have a great partner, but let's help some people out. If they do want to, like, work with Bad, bad Birdie as, like, a broker, carrier, something, how, what partners are you – how do you look for partners? How do you vet them? Yeah, honestly, I look for people who have um, some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of historical proof. Uh, is there a, is there a brand in a similar space that you can show me, um, you know, some sort of, you know, a metric or or tangible um, impact you made to, to their operations? Um, but but all, honestly, it's just I, the the partners who have been the best for, for me here and, and other places are just the ones who um, they want to understand your problem before selling you a solution. Um, so, I, you know, my, my, my LinkedIn, my, my Twitter DMs, email, Jordan at Bad Birdie Golf, um, always an open door. Uh, love to connect with, with potential new, new partners um, across, you know, sort of any area and uh, start the conversation. And, you know, let, let's, see, uh, let's see what we can do together. You know, I've done fresh fish and I've done um, I've done apparel before and they're very, very similar because they're both they're both perishable like fashions are perishable. Yeah. Fashions have to be available when catalogs come out. Fashions have to be available when ad campaigns come out. It's very demanding. And that's why you don't want a partner who's just like a newbie or they don't know, just like you wouldn't want someone touching your perishable freight. You want people who at least have touched this stuff. They understand it and they understand the demands of a company like yours, which are very time based. Absolutely. Super, super time based. The, the comparison there to to, you know, uh, perishable, you know, consumables is, is totally true um, because, you know, styles change. Uh, we have new styles coming on the heels of, of the current one. So it's really important to get it in the customer's hands as soon as possible. And, um, and, and yeah, you, dead on. Jordan, before I, I let you go, it's a tradition now when you come on the show, we got to hear a little bit of a bitter pills song and i got one for you right here this oh, one man. is called yellow pills go. roll the tape man i want to hear it <laughs> those that don't know there's like a coalition of like emo uh new metal rockers within this space and jordan's one of them absolutely oh that's awesome man thanks so much for, for throwing that on there we gotta get you with trent jamming on the show I know. We, we have to do it. <laughs> this When did this album come out? Two years ago? No, this, this was 2017, actually. Wow. Six years? Yeah. You putting out a new album yet? You got to bring it back, man. Bring it back. Not, not, not yet. I got to, you know. I've been uh, been been trying to, to figure out, you know, numerous style supply chains, but uh, the, the time is coming soon, I'm sure. Well, you can still hear all his old tracks. Go over to Spotify, look up Bitter Pills. There's like four or five tracks on this EP. It's fantastic. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us on the show. You have a Merry Christmas. You have a Happy Holidays. And one more time, people who want to find you, where do I send them to? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jordevant, uh, J-O-R-D-E-V-A-N-T on Twitter. Um, just search Jordan Dickerson on LinkedIn uh, or shoot me an email, Jordan at Bad Birdie Golf. At, oh, wait. Junior, thanks so much for having me. I, for, I forgot to ask you, can you, do you, so I put up this poll earlier from the conversation. It said 50% of men think they could land a passenger plane with help from air traffic control experts disagree. So far, two out of three women on the show have said that they think that they can. What do you think? 
So I, I saw a couple previous guests answer this, and I've been thinking about it hard. Um, it's also like dangerously close to a recurring nightmare that I have. Um, yeah. But I think just because the technology is is so good these days, from what I hear, uh, and because I would really trust the expertise of the people on the ground, I think I could do it um, through no skill of my own. But I, I think as a team, we, we, we'd figure it out. I think you would crush it. I wouldn't. I have PTSD from Top Gun on NES trying to land on that aircraft carrier at the end of the first, like never got past the first level in that game. I've crashed probably like 600 times. It's horrible, horrible, Jordan. But thank you. And I appreciate your confidence, man. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, Dinner. Take it easy. Have a great one. Thanks. All right. Well, you know what? I don't really have time for this. Well, play the HOA guy. Justin and I will talk about it. Roll this. Getting a lot of packages you see on the ring here, delivery after delivery. But not everybody is happy about this. Hey, bro. Um, so I'm part of the HOA, the Homeowners Association. Um, you know, I keep track of the neighborhood, making sure people are doing the things they need to do. Yada, yada, yada. Um you have like a ton of packages on your porch, right? You know, HOA code says you're not supposed to have this many packages on your porch. You can order as much as you want, but you can't keep them on your front porch like you are. They've been here all day. I've been watching this literally from my house down the street, two doors down, <laughs> left side, blue house, all day. Why are you spying on all me? <laughs> day. They've been right here. I don't want to look at them. They're ugly. Get a job, dude, Just first of all. in the house. I don't get it. President of the HOA is not a real day. job. I don't get it how you have so much money. You just order stuff nonstop. Oh, is this real? Like, what is he going on here? Really starting to piss me off. All right, let's cut this guy down. I've heard enough out of this man. I've heard enough. Let's bring up Super Trucker Justin Martin. Upset. How's it right now? Justin, what's going on the naughty list? <laughs> what is that guy thinking? What if you have to go to work and you, like it's Christmas time? You're ordering a ton of packages because you have all sorts of gifts to to give out. Yeah, I, as soon as I saw that video, my first thought was like, okay, roll a tank over this guy's house. And the second thought was maybe it's a bit. I really, really hope it's a bit. Oops. I'm still trying to dig for the original source. We'll we'll see. I haven't had anyone use like I have a ring. I haven't had anyone use it to leave me a memo. I would be super pissed if they left me a memo like that though. Yeah, well, mine. I, when somebody walks to my house, it like rings my phone, so I can answer it. And I would just be like telling that guy get get the hell away from my house. All right, Justin Claus, you posted a great video the other day. The domestic supply chain is great, but it can't work when trucks get stuck. Let's roll this tape and break it down for us, Justin. What are we looking at here? So this is a driver who clearly was not following. It looks like he was following his GPS and not the road signs. Mm. Uh, got stuck all the way up on this mountain. And a wrecker had to show up coming back the other way backwards in order to pull him off off of the uh, off the trail here. Ten uh, percent grade, lots of switchbacks. This guy had absolutely no business whatsoever being up on this hill. I have no idea how he made it up there in the first place. Now, when you were out in, in the truck and you would see yourself maybe coming upon a, a route like this, what, what would you do? <laughs> well, I mean, if you're already so something similar like this did happen to me. I was, but it was a truck route. I was on US 191 in Flaming Gorge, Utah, and it was the first time I ever encountered like crazy switchbacks and stuff. But like it was a paved highway. Uh, trucks go up and down all the time, not very f well um, in my case, but I made it. Um, you really got to know your route ahead of time. Um, so many guys nowadays they just 
punch in their address to where they're going and they just follow the GPS step by step. You need a road carrier atlas. Figure out what routes you're allowed to be on um, and know where you're going ahead of time. Yeah, you need, you need the Rand McNally. Remember, we had them on. You need the, the Rand McNally. Yeah. You can't use the, the Google Maps. They could send you. And that was Is that the U.S.? That, those roads, they look like the kind of roads you see like when we pull funny videos from TikTok of trucks getting stuck in other countries. Yeah, no, that was in the U.S. It's a small home mover carrier based out of Texas. They only have like six trucks um, and I think eight drivers. So I'm hoping it's only seven drivers now. Um, if you look uh, also in the video, there's like five guys that pile out of the truck. That's typical for uh, carriers like that. They have a bunch of guys in the truck to help move all the stuff in and out of the houses that they're moving from. Wow. So now five guys are stuck on the mountain. I'd, I'd like to have a camera yeah. inside the truck. I wish the video showed. How much does it cost to get out of a situation like that? It's, it's got to you got to pay some money, don't you? Oh, well, we, we had Corey on last week and he was saying just on their side, the operating cost for yeah. uh, one of those rotator trucks is like 5000 an hour. So, you know, <laughs> uh, add a couple have... zeros on that. Well, it's an expensive market. You pay too much of that. You might go out of business. We have some bad news. And I want to talk to you about this one because you used to work for the postal company. And it was Matheson. Clarissa Haas reports postal service contractor Matheson Trucking, a wholly owned subsidiary of Matheson uh, Flight Expediters. They have been winding down operations after six decades in business. This is going to impact 3,500 workers. They said it's kind of sad to see the 60-year-old company that made its bread and butter moving U.S. mail closing its doors. What happened? Justin, it's peak season. Shouldn't there be plenty of mail to move? Why did this company file for Chapter 11? So USPS for the last couple of years has been working on clawing back a lot of their contracts for the road carriers. I was a postal contractor for three years, and the company that I worked for is now wrapped up into basically one big conglomeration of a bunch of other carriers. Um, a lot of these businesses are in trouble right now because, as I said in the article, their main bread and butter has been hauling mail. They don't do a lot of over-the-road freight. Um, so as soon as they lose those contracts, that's all their money right there. Very, very interesting. Actually, you know, Dan Lewis just, uh, and obviously a horrible time for those 3,500 workers. If you know a place for them, help them. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot to place. That's such a big number. I mean, if you just put people in a room, like when they, when they fire all these people, they just show you a picture of 3,500 people. Cause that's a hell of a lot right by that's the hallways. Um, I yeah. got another story and I, I, I guess I can read Dan's message here. Cause I asked Dan Lewis from convoy before I, I went on air, what, uh, was going down. I told him we were going to be covering this and, and what we what, you know, I want to be fair to the story because the story that came out about convoy is that several trucking companies who have hauled convoys loads have reached out to freight waves this week. And they said that they have not been paid. One of them is a company that said they're owed. What was it? Over a hundred thousand dollars. It was a hundred and sixty thousand, $160,000. There was two more on there. So I asked Dan what was up and let me read his message because I just got it. It says right here, uh, when Convoy, and this is Dan Lewis, uh, former CEO of Convoy, founder of there, he says, when Convoy wound down, we kept our automated payment tech running Stripe and a carrier payments team intact to keep paying carriers. This lasted for a couple weeks or so. Once the vast majority were paid, especially those who don't use factoring companies so we could just pay them quickly directly, I believe that it was turned off so that our bank could manage payment decisions one-off. They wanted control over that. There are still some ex-Convoy folks working for them on carrier payments and reconciliations of all the paperwork and claims. I actually checked with them on Eagle Villanya's situation. That was a $160,000 one. And they said they've been working with the shipper she ran for and RTS, et cetera. He doesn't know the outcome yet. These situations can be very, can, 
are in a bad spot. Company goes out. We saw this happen with Yellow as well. He says, my two cents is that given the circumstance of a brokerage winding down and the fact that for many carriers, we're not allowed to pay them directly because once they start with a factoring company, they forbid them for getting paid directly. I think the team actually did some heroic stuff to get most paid. Unfortunately, the more public stuff gets, the the harder it is because it puts a spotlight on it for the bank. I hate that we didn't get 100% of them paid yet. This is probably the only thing I was losing sleep over when Convoy was shutting down despite all the losses and my own personal lack of outcome since I didn't sell any convoy stock. I mean, he took a bath in this as well. Um, he said the things are messy and the payments, paperwork, and claims and records can be hard to get to. It, it goes on, but they said that he says that they're working, they're working on it, but in some ways that they're handcuffed. Yeah, uh, we talked to Matthew Leffler a lot about you know when when companies go bankrupt, how you know any money that carriers that hold freight for them are owed. It's going to take you know months and months because now it's not the it's not the people that were in in charge of the company running it anymore. Now it's the the bankers and lawyers. So it's it's going to be a while before this uh, you know the whole knot gets untied. Well, it does sound like at least some work is being put in on this. We we you know we hope that this situation gets resolved for these carriers. Absolutely, we do. Yeah, I hope everybody gets paid. And it's also um, an interesting point about the dangers of, of factoring. You know, so many guys need to get paid immediately. They don't have the money on hand to float them over to the next load. Um, but with the convoy, as we're seeing here, once you use it once, you're, you're basically locked in. And you're losing a ton of money. People people get um, – they focus in on that 3 to 5% of that factoring fee, but that's on your gross. And if you're factoring every single load, that's a huge chunk of your income at the end of the year. It could be, could be. So we hope that gets resolved. Here's something that came out, the Cybertruck. Big, big news. I used to have a pre-order on one of these. No, that, let's move to the semi next. Let's do Cybertruck first. Let's show the, so yes, let's show the Cybertruck right here, Justin. This is, so I guess he went to go get a Christmas tree or something. If you can see, there's a Christmas tree at the back of that, or it slipped backwards down a hill and it backed into a Christmas tree and it knocked it into the bed of the truck. I'm not really sure, yeah, so but, it, but either way, the Ford is pulling this guy out. Yeah, so this was actually one of the prototype trucks. Um, they got really stuck. It didn't have a lot of the features that the, I guess, the retail model does. It also, doesn't have any tow points. They had to hook under the suspension of the truck uh, to tow it out. So, why they decided to uh, put it through the ringer like this without like a backup plan, I got no idea. Um, but yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna go have fun out in the snow, don't use a prototype. I mean, it makes for a great ad for Ford. <laughs> you know, they had the toe-off <laughs> between the Ford and the Cybertruck where, you know, the produ- the one that produced by Tesla, it sure made the Cybertruck look really good. But in there, you know, the diesel truck got to come and pull you out. I mean, look, this could happen to any truck. Let's be fair here. You don't have your tires on. There's some new- Maybe this guy's never driven a truck before. I, You know, people dunk on the Cybertruck a lot, but I feel like a lot of the buyers of that aren't even going to be people who, like, they actually want it. They, more- they want an SUV. Yeah. No, and again, that was that was the prototype model. I'm I'm very curious to see what uh, people who buy the retail version uh, can do with it. What do you think of it in black? I've seen it in the matte black. It looks a lot better than the silver. The silver, the uh, uh, I saw a couple of reviews and it, like fingerprints get all over that um, that like anodized metal. Yeah, and also the fit and finish like really sticks out. Like if it's not fitted perfectly, it really sticks out with like the straight uh, straight lines. Uh, I think the the matte black does a really good, a better job of like kind of kind of hiding that. Um, yeah, so it had, if say I had the money and I was, you know, wanting to buy one of those trucks, I'd I'd look for it in a mad black. I got another video here. Tesla owners of Silicon Valley. They said Tesla semi was fully loaded with a huge load. You can hear it accelerate. Like it's carrying nothing. Tesla semi coming out. (laughs) Because it is, (laughs) it is carrying nothing. Look at the tires on that. The first thing I pointed out was look at the tires on that trailer. It's It's a lightweight load. Um, it's, it's not carrying 
48,000 pounds of soda like you would see at a Pepsi plant. This, this thing's all in chips. Yeah, he says the semi will push us to a sustainable future. It's a game changer. I mean, look, if these things are working for them, great. Like, if they can get them introduced, I know it costs taxpayers a lot of money. You got to start somewhere. And if this is the way California is going, great. But it's always funny when, like, the Tesla fans sort of present this truck to the trucking community because all we see is a truck pulling chips. And when you're pulling chips, you're mostly pulling air. This is a, even if you fill that thing up, it's a significantly lighter load than, you know, I, if maybe it's a Pepsi truck that would be more impressive. It's hauling a bunch of beverages or something. Yeah. Um, there are things to be more excited about than than you know it hauling chips. I hate being like the, I hate poo pooing on like the fanboys and stuff because like I am excited about this technology. There are other companies doing some cool things with it, um, but you you, you got to base your excitement like in reality. These these guys right now are, are seeing the, what the truck's doing and they're thinking it can do a lot more than what it's capable of right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I haven't actually I haven't seen one of these in Chattanooga yet. I know a lot of people have been spotting them. I guess you got to be over in california to, to catch one running i'd love to go inside you know i'm not totally a hater i'm really in, the only thing i hate upon is like the over promise under delivery aspect yeah. that some people present these with that's kind of what i'm slamming i think like ev is fine they make sense um not for everybody but they make sense in some circumstances and i think that yeah I, it, no, yeah if i was in the ports i'd be wanting one of those trucks that, that things those things are great you know you're sitting around all day you're not doing a lot of miles that that, that the the tesla semi is a perfect application for uh port trucking right now now, Justin, we only have one more show left this year. It's Friday. It's a very What the Truck Christmas. It's going to be a great celebration of this year in freight, or as great as it can be based on this year in freight. But let me ask you something today. Let me ask you something. What was your story of the year? What do you think the freight story of the year was? Oh, absolutely yellow bankruptcy. That was like the first like big major story that I covered and actually talked to a lot of their drivers and we were telling them like, you guys don't understand, like by Friday, you're going to be out of a job. And it was it was a tough news to break to a lot of those guys. Analytics-wise, too, that that bears out. I mean, that it, it was our highest-performing yeah. YouTube videos, our highest-performing audio podcast. Convoy is right behind it. Also a big story. It's not every day a $3.8 billion company, you know, go, goes down, as we talked about before. All right, Justin, before I let you go, we've had a poll today. Do you think you could land the plane? 50% of men says, said they can. Jordan said he could. I don't think I could. So it, it has happened. There's actually a technical term for it. It's called a talk-down aircraft landing. Um, if you're going to be in that kind of situation, you have to take your ego out of it completely. It's, it's for me anyway, it would be like being back in truck, trucking school, follow the instructions. Don't, don't think you know what you're doing. Listen, listen to what the guy in charge is telling you. I would pray that I was on the plane with Craig Fuller and we were like going to an event because then I would just say, Craig, that's all you buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you know how to fly. You get in there. You drive. Oh, Reed's sister. Imagine if Reed's sister was with us. Apparently she yeah. flies and Freight Bandit's brother. There's so many like flyers yeah. in this community now. Really interesting. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? We'll find Justin on X at Super Trucker. He's search banned, so you have to type the whole thing in and then maybe click yeah. on someone else's tweet to find him. Maybe for Christmas, Elon will unban him. You can find me at Timothy Dooner. Please. Find the show at FW What the Truck. You can find all these shows on YouTube. Go enjoy lunch. Take care. Stay tuned.